Right. Okay. Oh, look at that. Even better. A sheet with the readings on. That's fab. So, um, do you come here often? Um, Put your hands up. Uh, Actually, no, we're going to go back a bit. Put your hands up if you don't like putting your hands up. (laughs) Perfect. Everyone's up for the next bit. That's what we wanted to see. So, Put your hands up if you have been to this church before. Oh, most of us. Wow, that's great. So you guys are going to know what's going on, hopefully really well, because although I have been to this church before, it has been a little while. Now, I understand that you are currently in the midst of a series of sermons that's looking through the Acts of the Apostles. Does that sound familiar? There's a degree of nodding and a little bit of mystification, which is always good. Um, Okay, Acts of the Apostles, and particularly, um, I hope we're thinking about how the Holy Spirit has been let loose on the world through the disciples and the apostles and the amazing things that that's doing, and particularly looking forward to recognising that that's true for us as a church now. That's not just something that happened In the Bible, a while ago, the Holy Spirit is working through us. Yeah? Does that sound cool? Excellent. Be afraid, be very afraid, because the Holy Spirit can be a little bit unpredictable, which is cool. We're in safe hands, it's okay, it's God. But what I would like you to do is open your hearts to the Holy Spirit... And just see if you can work out which bit of today's scriptures the Holy Spirit has been prompting you to notice. Now, obviously, I'm hoping that's going to be in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, between verses 1 and 16, because that would be really helpful. But knowing the Holy Spirit, it might not be. So if it's something from the gospel, that's great. If it's something from anywhere else in the Bible, that's fab. If, in fact, the Holy Spirit has been nudging you throughout the Bible readings to think about whether or not you've left the oven on, that's cool too. Uh, But whatever it is you've noticed, I would like you to find someone near you who looks reasonably friendly and find out what the Holy Spirit has been saying to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so chat to each other for a bit about what you have been noticing in the scriptures today. Go. Well, hopefully there was some stuff there. Did you have some stuff? Did you hear how the Holy Spirit was working through someone else around you? Maybe? What, what your attention was being drawn to. Um, 
Sometimes I take my life in my hands and go ultra feedback here and we do interaction, but I'm not quite sure whether everyone's up for that. So we'll play it safe to start with today. And we're going to look at a bit of the Acts of the Apostles. So it would be really cool if the tech people were able to get that first part of the Acts reading up on, on the screens. Um, if you can't, don't worry, because I realise I haven't asked you. Oh, it's there. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Um, and most of you have Bibles as well, I think. Um, so if you've got the Bible, one of the things that's worth keeping, keeping a finger in is the bit that comes before this that I think you might have heard about last week. Um, so the back end of Acts 2, which is where it talks about what the early Christian community was like. Uh, Fellowship of All Believers is the heading, and you can see in there the descriptions of what they're doing. Um, And this is the bit that comes right after that, that actually talks about what this looks like in practice. So what we're seeing here is Peter and John from that early Christian community, and what the Holy Spirit is doing in them. And of course, this is a pattern for us in our living of our Christian lives. This is what we're called to do as we're being the people of God, bound together by that same Holy Spirit. And we will actually, I promise, start to look at Acts in a second. But before that, quick Bible quiz, because those are popular. Does anyone know how we, how we can see the Holy Spirit at work? Anyone know how we, can, how we can tell whether we're seeing the Holy Spirit at work? Any ideas? By the fruit, absolutely. Good job. The fruit of the Spirit. And if, um, if I was sensing you were really into Bible quizzes, I might have asked you what those were. But to shortcut that, that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things are what help us know the Spirit is at work. When we find those things increasing in us, it's a good sign that the Holy Spirit is at work. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, Acts, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer. So here's the first part where we see the apostles living out what we're told about what the Holy Spirit leads the disciples into. They are going up to the temple to pray. What a really simple thing to do. But just the act of going to prayer can be amazing. The Holy Spirit can work through travelling from where you live to a place of prayer. I had a wonderful priest in the church I grew up in who was absolutely amazing and is one of my heroes. Um, And he died this year, and it was one of the holiest and most moving deaths um, I think I've encountered. He was just so ready to be with God. It was beautiful. But how he came to faith was after seeing 
a relatively elderly lady walk past the end of his garden on her way to church every day. And after watching this for a while, he was starting to wonder what was in it. And that was the start of his journey. This one woman's going to church, going to a place of prayer to pray. And of course, prayer is so amazing that even if for you, going from your home to uh, a church or a place set apart for prayer isn't a thing, just going from not praying into praying is still a journey. And that journey can make an amazing transformation. Other people can sometimes see the difference that making a regular journey of prayer can make on you. Sometimes people can see in you whether or not you pray. Maybe they're picking up the bleeding out or the overflowing, I think is perhaps a better term, the overflowing of that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control that comes from putting ourselves in touch with God and his Holy Spirit. I realise we haven't got beyond the first sentence yet. Obviously this is your warning that we may not get to the end of the passage. We could be here all day if we carry on at this rate. So uh, next we have Peter and John on this journey up to the temple Three in the afternoon, a time of prayer, and we have something else brought into the scene. We have a man, a man who was lame from birth. So this is someone with a significant disability that has been a part of his whole life experience. And it has significant consequences And we'll come on to that in a bit. He's being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And we're going to step back and look at the temple for a bit now. Because we need to have in our minds a picture of what the temple's like. Let's make it easier. Imagine St. Matthew's, but upgraded to more bling. So, gold... Gold roof, lots of gold, shining in the sun, very glitzy. And we've got this gate called the Beautiful Gate. Now, um, we're going to take artistic license here. No one knows which temple gate they're actually talking about. Um, There have been a number of suggestions, but we just don't know. Um, Some of the gates were really quite glitzy and were sort of covered in gold and silver so they would shine. Maybe it was one of those. That's a reasonable guess. Should we take that one? that sound good? Imagine this gate that's adorned with silver and gold, a beautiful gate. Why is this man being brought here? This is really interesting. Who is this man and why is he brought to this place? So he's brought there at a time of prayer. He's put by this gate that people are going into who are praying. People who are 
presumably quite devout followers of God. So maybe, maybe we can think that this is, this is an act of kindness perhaps. Perhaps he has some friends who recognising that his inability to earn his own livelihood, he needs to be put somewhere where he can beg from others. And so they brought him up to a place where lots of generous people are going to be and he is going to benefit from that and get a bit of money. That would be kind, wouldn't it? I think I'm probably too cynical to believe that that's what's going on here. Nice to think that it might be a friendly kind act on behalf of those who have brought him, but then it doesn't sound from the rest of the passage like they stuck around. How friendly were they, I wonder? Maybe he is part of their money-earning scheme. We've had a lot in the news about modern slavery this week. Maybe this is ancient slavery, or a version of it Maybe this is part of their money-earning racket that they have, maybe a few people like this man, who are dependent and vulnerable, and by putting him here in front of a load of people, they're going to get a whole load of sympathy money, they can take it from him, give him just enough to subsist, but live off the profits. Maybe that's what's going on. I wonder... I know where I'm putting my money, but you can come to your own opinions. Of course, the fact that the man is crippled has a theological significance at this time. So we've just been hearing about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how that has transformed the apostles, that they are people who are bearing witness This has come, um, and I'm assuming that you guys know a bit about the Gospel of Luke, just in case you haven't read it all, no spoilers, but um, these people, the apostles, the followers of Jesus, are now being a priestly people of God. They are being like Jesus. They are being priestly in that they are bringing the presence of God into the world to transform and reconcile people to each other, and to God. But in the Old Testament laws, we know that if you are not perfect, if you are blemished, then you can't play a part in the cult of the Lord. Blemished animals are not offered in sacrifice, imperfect people are not allowed to share in the priesthood and this would be the case for this man he is excluded from that participation in the religious life of Israel but there he is on the floor outside the beautiful gate of this temple and Peter and John are going there think we can actually move on to the next bit now. This is going great, isn't it? Racing through. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. 
One of the things we often see when the uh, apostles start bearing witness to Jesus is that their witness comes from a deep engagement with the needs of the person or people. So when they're talking after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit has descended on them, they, they don't just go out there and start telling everybody. They, they, they kind of, um, they're kind of responding and engaging with the people's curiosity about what's going on. Surely these people are drunk and all of that malarkey. And here we have the man asking Peter and John for money. Peter looks straight at him. That's quite a powerful level of intimacy, isn't it? I'm trying to make occasional eye contact with you guys while I'm looking around. But just imagine if I just focus straight on one of you. I'm going to pick Joe because I know already. It's already uncomfortable, isn't it, Joe? It really is. We're going to not do that. That'll make me even nervous. But just imagine what that would be like. Peter looks straight at him. And he asks the man to give him his full full attention. And he does. We have this deep connection between Peter and this man who is asking for money. He is expectant. And we're really picking up speed so we can move on again. Peter says, no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And there are two versions of this next bit. Um, In our translation it says walk. Uh, In some versions it says arise and walk. I quite like the Arise and Walk version. It kind of gives a hint of resurrection. It may not actually be the original, but, it, but it's quite cool. And there is a prophetic link there. When prophets are called, they're told to arise and go. It has that sense of sharing what we're receiving. Maybe it's not there, but I think it's quite fun. In the name of Jesus, arise and walk. He jumps to his feet and begins to walk. So we've talked about the early Christian community being people of prayer and the power of having that as a part of our own lives. Our own witness of prayer, our own practice of prayer is something that can let the Holy Spirit flow not only into our lives, but also into the lives of those around us. And here we see another manifestation of that Holy Spirit working through the church. Now, the sort of high-level grab-your-attention thing is that this man who had been crippled can now walk. But of course, with the background to this story, we know that that's not probably the most important thing here. We also have someone who, maybe maybe if my story is right, if my understanding of what's going on for this man is right, here is someone who 
has been used as a kind of slave to earn money for people who are exploiting him, a vulnerable person, who now has been set free. He is able to jump up to his feet and walk. He has been given freedom through the gift of that Holy Spirit. And of course, maybe we can take into account that ritual stuff we were thinking about. Here is someone who a moment ago could not share in the priesthood. Here is someone who could not be a witness to the life of God. But now, now he is a part of the people of God. And what do we see as we move on into the next, the next one? Thank you. Um, He goes into the temple courts. What a wonderfully symbolic way of talking about that very thing. Before he's left on the outside as a cripple, now he can actually go in under his own steam. And he does so walking and jumping and praising God. That sounds pretty joyful to me. I know I'm walking about a lot and some of you are probably feeling seasick. Um, I apologise. But... I haven't done any jumping yet. Probably that would be a bridge too far for an English audience. But it sounds pretty joyful, doesn't it? And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And boy, do other people see that at work here. They see him walking and praising God and they recognise him and we're going to move on again to the next part of our passage, picking up speed. And they were filled with wonder and amazement while the man held on to Peter and John. I don't know what you think as um, as you imagine what that might look like. I sort of imagine him sort of jumping along and being really enthusiastic and then just flinging his arms around the pair of them and and just sort of, yeah, my buddies. That sort of thing, that exuberant joyfulness and that holding on like that that is a sign of a strong new community. These are some new relationships formed by the Holy Spirit. And people seeing this are astonished. It is quite an astonishing thing. New communities, particularly communities that gather together unlikely groups of people. And boy does the church ever do that. Can be an amazing witness to something that's beyond ourselves. So, we have a couple of things so far. We've looked at um, the power of prayer and the effect of living a life that's steeped in prayer. We've looked at this act of the Holy Spirit in setting people free. And of course, you know, what what we're aiming towards here is you might be sitting there thinking, well, you know, I don't think however much faith I can muster in the name of Jesus that I can get someone who has been crippled from birth to walk. Don't be distracted by the glitz and the appearance of that. 
There are so many people that you could set free through your faith in Jesus. Freedom from all kinds of things. All those things that maybe enslave us, that diminish us, that stop us believing ourselves, knowing ourselves to be beloved of God. Those are things that you can help set other people free from in the name of Jesus. And of course, that bringing into a new community that allows a full sharing in the life of God. That's why we're all here, isn't it? Surely. Peter has people's attention. And as we move on to the next bit, we see that Peter uses the reaction to this ordinary outworking of his life as a Christian as a way to talk further about how amazing Jesus is and quite what is going on. I'm slightly hesitant about talking too much about this bit now. Because this is quite a bespoke message. This is a message that probably is a bad idea to use verbatim today. Randomly going up to people, explaining how, um, as we'd see in the later bits of this, um, they are responsible for killing Jesus and therefore um, probably not the best place to start. It's very much of its moment. You remember this is soon after the death and resurrection of Christ. These are the people who are living in Jerusalem. These are people who are devout and part of that temple community that played such a central role in Jesus being sentenced to death and being crucified. It's reasonable to suppose that their reaction to this is going to be full of all these things of guilt. And of course, where Peter takes this is, yeah, but don't worry. Come on, there's something bigger here. I paraphrase. But notice what they do. Peter takes their attention, the things that are on their heart, and uses that as the place to begin to talk about his encounter with Jesus. Again, this is something that can seem so difficult to us, but is so easy to do. How easy is it to listen to someone else and hear what is on their heart? That too we are called to do as disciples of Christ. And we're going to do it right now, because I think you've had enough of me. So, um, find someone near you, hear what is on their heart at the moment, just briefly. So I'd like you to hear what's on their heart in no more than 30 seconds. And then take that in the power of the Spirit. 
to God in prayer. Go. As we draw those prayers to a gentle close, knowing that the Holy Spirit takes the deficiencies of our praying and transforms that, we're going to, I think, head into singing, and then we are going to share in that great act of Jesus the night before he died and his gift of himself to us. So let's sing.